1: Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at xfinity.com slash XFi.
0: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff i Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. So before we start this one, I have a confession to make.
1: Oh, I feel very guilty Bye. about my behavior at the party last night.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do not. Good for you. I do not. Yeah, I think I, I, I maintained. I feel shame <laughs> 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 for some of the things that's gonna come out. Maybe. <laughs> Jk. Jk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I
0: actually always, I almost always feel really guilty after I um at a party. Well, like, no it, matter what. I don't know. I'm just like, I get in my head about if I embarrassed myself or what, did, what were people thinking of how I was behaving. Oh, yeah. Um, because I am definitely uh, viewed as a party girl. That is something I know, and I am. It, that's accurate. <laughs> it's because you maintain. I, I am there. I am there to party and have fun. And I, yeah, if you invite me to something, it's pretty much guaranteed I will show up. Right. And I will probably not be there. Yeah. or I'll sneak if, but out. I will be there. Yes. If you're like, "Um, I might watch The Winter Soldier and then I'm at your house before right. you finish the text." Like, right. I could sense
1: it. Um, or you yeah. watch 3 movies instead of one. Yeah. <laughs> I do I actually do feel bad you about shouldn't. that. you shouldn't.
0: <laughs> Cuz I was I went into that. This is for our our uh, feminist movie Friday. We did a Batman Returns. I really went into that thinking I'm gonna watch this one movie. We right. work it was a Monday the next day. It was and I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna be responsible and then it's three AM and we've watched two and a half movies. Right. Right. So sorry about that. Nah. But nah. we're we're talking about uh, uh guilt and shame and blame and why women are so easily blamed and so quick to take on blame. Right. And before we get into the episode, did want to put the trigger warning here, we're briefly going to talk about things um, around sexual assault, miscarriage, domestic violence, mental illness, addiction, and self-harming behaviors. We're not really going to get too deep into any of that stuff, but if it's triggering for you, putting that out there. Um, and yeah, I guilt is like my best friend. I feel guilty all the time, um, and I feel ashamed all the time. Um Yeah, I feel like sometimes I get this deep shame that when people see me, it feels like my skin is crawling and I just want to make myself really small and invisible.
1: I don't want people to look at me. Right. Um, I do the same thing. I think it's natural for women, especially women with a lot of trauma, I think, in general, have, and and I'd say women, I mean, anybody encompassing into those who identify as female, um, that it just kind of, becomes a part of who you are, this ingrained shame of what you should be and the expectations of what you, uh, you think is perfect or the idea of perfection, whether it's looks, whether it's your job, whether it's just maintaining in society. I think it's overall overwhelming sense of I'm not meeting these levels, mm-hmm. so therefore I'm failing and therefore mm-hmm. I feel guilty and I feel ashamed of who I am and what I've done. And I think that's just a really hardship that it's really hard to let go of, especially if you've learned that as a child. Yeah. Um, it's just a part of your identity, and yeah. it's hard to shake, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with, for people who have experienced trauma, um, feeling he- like you don't want to draw attention to yourself. Or, I, Like I said in our series that we did, I feel like I have a wound on my face, and, like, everyone can see it. Like, it's really obvious. And so you don't want people to see that thing that you are ashamed of. Absolutely. That you feel is really visible. Right. And I um, physically manifest this and I kind of like twist stuff in a pretzel Mm -hmm. and I don't even realize I'm doing it until someone will point out like whoa, what's wrong with you? Are Mm -hmm. are you you having a panic attack or something? And I have to unwind. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't even recognize it a lot of the time. Um, And there actually is a lot of science around the differences in definitions between shame and guilt, which we're going to talk about, but I thought that was so interesting. So we're going to give you the definitions, but there actually is some disagreement on
1: them. Um, So first, we'll start with guilt. The definition of guilt is judgment of wrongdoing. And from the Merriam-Webster, the fact of having committed a breach of conduct, especially violating law and involving a penalty, or the state of one who has committed an offense, especially consciously.
0: Yes. Um, and then there's also, they go on to expand those feelings of deserving blame, especially for imagined offenses, are from a sense of inadequacy, self-reproach, a feeling of deserving blame for offenses. So guilt usually involves correctly or incorrectly perceived responsibility. Like, I, it was an abnormal action or choice that I made. I feel guilty about that thing. Um Uh, Yeah, and it usually leads to actionable things to make amends. And also, today I learned that psychologists call self-punishment due to guilt the Dobby effect.
1: Harry Potter reference.
0: Harry Potter reference, yep. I love it.
1: Yes, and there are a bunch of different types of guilt. Right, and one of them is survivor's guilt. And I know we've talked about this previously. The guilt felt of surviving a traumatic event when others did not. This might even involve believing you did something wrong to survive. Experts posit that it comes from an irrational belief that there's a limited amount of goodness in the world and any good a survivor experiences comes at the expense of someone else. And just kind of on a personal level, for an adoptee, there's a whole different level of survivor guilt. As in fact, if you um, research it enough, there's a lot of discussion on the message boards and support groups about how to cope with survivor's guilt, whether it's guilt from surviving a bad circumstance when others didn't, guilt for feeling like you haven't met a certain expectation or the feeling you have to earn your keep. Um, and there's a lot to be said about the constant reminder from others about how blessed someone should feel. Yeah. Uh, and I think, just please note, being grateful is not the same thing as guilt, which is sometimes a manipulative tactic used on children. And with that, I see this in the foster systems as well, where they, are, they say you should be grateful. They right. will come to the children, oftentimes mm-hmm. be like, how lucky are you? You got all these things. And there's this level of responsibility that you have to constantly show appreciation. And that if, A, you are questioning maybe your biological stance of, of your family and trying to find them, then, then you're not being appreciative. Yeah. If you're questioning and disagreeing with some of the views within your family, then you're not being appreciative. There's just this whole level of guilt as well as the fact that if you aren't showing and showing off being the perfect family yeah. that you have somehow messed up this family. And I even had guilt as being an adopted person within a family that had biological children mm-hmm. from taking away attention, quote-unquote, uh, yeah, yeah. from those, those biological children. Mm-hmm. There's a whole different thing, and it's yeah. something that... And, and when we talk about survivor's guilt, again, this is completely different from just traumatic right. guilt. But it's a whole different thing that, that's a big discussion and oftentimes has to be unpacked mm-hmm. in therapy and in in intensive therapy from a specialist. And again, like I said, it's oftentimes seen in the foster system as well. And then when something goes wrong and they're getting taken out of a placement or or something, they feel that they are the blame and they are the reason that something has failed, The placement has failed. And speaking of that, there's a different type of guilt, which is the separation guilt. Yes. Um, (laughs) I did want to say,
0: you know, we should, oh, God. No one would like that than me. <laughs> but me. We could do a whole episode on Harry Potter and these like survivor guilt, because um, that was something again, else. So, Harry Potter would be a mess. He is way too functional. I know. Way too functional. <laughs> but Uncle Vernon, uh, he used to always say that to him you should be grateful right, for the right. cupboard that we put you into. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, another type of guilt, separation guilt. Um, and this is the belief that separating or differing from family or friends in some way harms them.
1: Right. And that's definitely, again, as I've seen in. Um, a lot of foster care systems or when, even when detaining children, separating families, there's a lot of traumatic issues. And a part of that is that separation guilt, whether it's from the parent or whether it's from the kid. And there's also the whole thing with pets. Yeah. They have separation anxiety. Yeah. And they kind of freak out. And it's that same level, too, of that, are they coming back? And if they don't come back, it's my fault. Or if we're not together, it's my fault.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, you can also see this in, uh, like, in my mom's family. Everyone is really conservative but her. Mm -hmm. And uh, just having that guilt of, like, I don't agree with you. And you feel bad about it, even though it, it totally makes sense that we have different opinions and viewpoints. But you're betraying the family. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Then there's omnipotent responsibility guilt, believing that one is responsible for the happiness of others. I connect with that one so much. Um, Self-hate guilt, which is an extreme self-loathing. This typically comes from an abusive past. Then there's mommy guilt, and this is a term that gets thrown around quite a bit when we talk about women and guilt. Uh, And yeah, on this show, we've discussed in depth about the pressures placed on moms to be perfect, and perfection is impossible, so guilt is therefore inevitable. Um, women are also conditioned to be a child's primary caretaker, which means if something happens to a child, the mother feels guilty and is probably being blamed by those around her as well. This judgment of mothers can and often does lead to feelings of shame. And we see this play out all the time um, in the blame the mother trope. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if a man becomes a serial killer, blame the mother. If he's not happy, Blame the mother if he can't find a job. Blame the mother if he married somebody who's not good for him or something. Blame the mother. Right. All these things, and then of course I got to mention Hereditary because it's my favorite movie ever. Uh, no spoilers, but Tony Collette's character Annie, um, she touches on this in her group counseling session where she says, "I am. I feel like I am to blame, or I am blamed." Right. And it has to do ultimately with something we're going to talk about in a minute, but um, um her genes. Genetics, hereditary. (laughs) Uh, And then Scream, also got to talk about that because it's one of my favorite movies. That entire series is pretty much the blame the mother trope. It's Sydney's mom's fault for literally everything in every movie. The serial killer in the second one even says, I'm sick to death of people thinking it's all the mother's fault, you know, as she's trying to kill all these people right? Um, and uh, yeah she kind of reinforces the trope she calls it out and then
1: reinforces it Um, yeah it's just something we see often yeah so another aspect of this conversation is the postpartum guilt and or assigning blame when it comes to things like stillbirth and miscarriage Experts posit that this is a coping mechanism to find meaning and a sense of control in a really tragic situation. And feeling this way in the wake of a tragedy is totally normal. But if it persists or becomes chronically debilitating, that points to a deeper issue. And one study found that almost 50% of women blamed their healthcare providers for their child's death when surveyed a year later. That could mean that they won't trust healthcare professionals moving forward. And that makes a lot of sense because they need to blame something. Yeah. And if it's something outwardly, it, it does. It puts a lot of pressure on yeah. um, many of those who have given birth and ha- or have lost child, for yeah. sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Several studies have looked into the guilt of a mother um, and the guilt she often feels at passing on genetic conditions to her children. Uh, the research indicates mothers feel more guilt and face more blame for sex-linked conditions as compared to men. Screening programs for pregnant women that identify autosomal recessive disorders are viewed as the responsibility of women who want to get pregnant. So not doing so invites guilt and blame. Yeah. And then there's white guilt. Um, And this is a case where guilt can be extremely hindering. It can lead to inaction through fear or perhaps even looking for an excuse not to act. And this also means more emotional labor for people of color. Basically, white people... Asking them to make people of color, make make people, to make them feel better. Right.
1: As in fact, in our episode on forgiveness, we had a listener talk about it um, and send us a message, and is absolutely correct. So there's a narrative that seems to be continuing with this whole idea, especially after the trial of the murder of Botham Jean, in which the brother and the judge hugged Amber Geiger after her sentencing, Um, and it was kind of that conversation of, all right, this is a sign of forgiveness, and how we're going to move on, but the black community felt like this is one more scene in which a person who was innocent and was black was murdered, and they had to turn the other cheek and forgive, and everybody was praising this whole idea instead of saying, okay, but this is not true justice. They they got the 10-year sentence. She, whatever, and at least she was convicted. However, this is still not the biggest step because this man was sitting in his apartment minding his own yeah. business and he got shot down. And we know things happen, whatever. But it's this continuous verbiage in which... There is this idea that you need to let go. And there's this pressure put it on the black community saying, oh, just let it go. Why are you so angry? Especially black women. They are caught up in this whole trope of you're supposed to be forgiven. You're supposed to be forgiven. And if you're angry, why? Yeah. You're not allotted that time or allotted that emotion to be honest and saying this is unbelievably unforgivable. And I am angry. And I think, again, this is where the continuous debate lingers between all the lines of boundaries as well as talking about forgiveness versus forgetting. And why is it that we expect a community to continually turn the other cheek and when it seems to be a continued abusive relationship for this community in which the black people are told, let it go. Yeah. But nothing is being done in the name of justice. Instead, there's all these unreasonable arguments about why they should let it go and move on and that's not okay and I think that's part of the conversation that's not had enough when we talk about blaming others that when someone should feel guilt and shame that the other person should let it go and that's not necessarily how it should be right just just a little tirade there just a little tirade (laughs) just a little tirade
0: uh (laughs) that what Speaking of tirage, mm-hmm. feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, feminist guilt is another thing. Um, this was my very first episode I did. It was about being a bad feminist and the guilt I feel around that. Yeah, because we hold ourselves up to a set of standards that are virtually impossible to live up to all the time. Um, and this opens us up to judgment within the community as well. Um, if your identity is tied up in a movement like feminism at that can be extremely detrimental, that kind of judgment. Um, And yeah, that can keep people out for sure. Um, From Berenice Fisher's 1984 essay, Guilt and Shame in the Women's Movement, The Radical Ideal of Action and Its Meaning for Feminist Intellectuals, quote, For contemporary feminists, this tendency to psychologize issues of guilt may be partially strong because of our ...emphasis on feelings and because of the fear we have committed unspeakable wrongs to the women we claim as our sisters. But as participants in a radical movement, we also need to question the rules by which we make such judgments... Is guilt a patriarchal notion? Can we develop a feminist understanding of guilt as a part of a feminist ethic? How should we deal with the concept of collective guilt? Are women responsible for the racism, the class oppression, and other injustices perpetrated by our fathers or mothers? How do we assess our current complicity in such wrongdoing? Does our participation in sexist, racist, homophobic, or anti-Semitic institutions make us guilty? What is the relation between guilt and responsibility? If we adopt a concept of guilt, do we hold on to some notion of atonement or responsibility? Hmm. So a lot of questions. There is a lot of thought uh, and debate around, around guilt right. happening right, right. now. Right. And uh, in our, I guess the 80s is pretty modern. I don't know why. Oh, my gosh. The 80s, so long ago. 20-something, 30 years ago. 30 years ago, so yeah.
1: I guess so. Oh. That's 30 years ago. Wow. I mean, that was the late, too. And I think a lot of that also we need to put in there about how guilt can make you react. You know, and I think I've seen this in feminism as well, like feminist guilt, in this idea that either they feel like they're cornered when they feel guilty, so they start lashing out Mm -hmm. inappropriately. To other women, mm-hmm. or because either they're not doing enough or they're doing too much yeah. or they're not doing it right. And right. that's just kind of caught up in all of that guilt that they feel within themselves. So they don't know what to do or even just giving up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I certainly feel a lot of guilt around, well, I should have done this or I should go do this. I should, there's just a million things I feel like I should right. be doing. But, you know, there's no, no time. time oh no, now I'm making excuses uh, guilt tripping um, that is, we all probably are familiar with that, that's weaponizing guilt to get someone to do something that we want them to do um, so that is just guilt we still have to talk about blame and shame but first we have to pause for a quick break forward from our sponsor
1: This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness.
0: Yes. And right now, that is more important than ever, especially when we're all apart. So recently, I had a group and we had a, a socially distanced
1: Get started
0: today at betterhelp.com slash momstuff. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. We are back. And we're going to talk about blame. So a definition from Merriam-Webster is to find fault with or censure, to hold responsible, to place responsibility for. Yeah.
0: That seems more, more simple than guilt. Yes. Um, relentless self-blame, found it or not, is a symptom of depression. It's linked to another symptom, overgeneralization. So, for example, I'm not good at X, so I must be terrible at XYZ. I'm not good at this one particular thing. That means me as a person, I'm bad at everything. Right. Um, scientists recently found that people with depression have an uncoupling or lack of communication between two key areas of the brain when it comes to feeling the appropriate amount of guilt. I did have so many questions about appropriate amount. But <laughs> the the survey found, the study found, the anterior temporal lobe, which plays a role in determining socially acceptable behavior, and the subgenual cingulate cortex and the adjacent septal region, uh, which has to do with our feelings of guilt. Yeah, these areas were uncoupled. The communication between them only falters when it came to self-blame, though. Hmm. It, it worked perfectly fine when it comes to blaming others in the context of people with depression. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So victim blaming, we've talked about this over and over on the show, is exactly what it sounds like. Blaming the victim instead of the perpetrator. It plays a huge role in sexual assault and domestic violence, both of which statistically impact women more than men. And why are we so ready to blame the victim? Besides the fact that we don't value women's bodies, maybe it's health or maybe well-being in our culture. Um, Experts point to something called the just world Bias, developed by Melvin Lerner in the 1960s. We want to believe the world is fair, that bad things don't happen to good people. That means that we blame the victim. They must have done something to bring it on themselves. Otherwise, the world is a much more frightening place where things don't always make sense. And we could do everything right and still be victimized. We are the mercy of forces out of our control, and studies have shown that believing in a fair, just world increases positive health outcomes. But if you think you've got a bright future, you're more likely to take care of yourself and less likely to have something like depression. Yeah. However, it does come to that whole, God will bless me, God will heal me. And again, th- having faith, having and uh, hope and things are not a bad thing. But it definitely does come to a play when you feel like maybe someone's deserving of something yeah. because of. And God's only blessing you if you're okay.
0: Right, right, right. If you right. behave in a certain way. Right. Um, women often self-blame or victim-blame themselves for the very same reasons, the reality of what happened can be difficult to face, and in some ways, blaming yourself is easier than accepting, especially if, like, in the case of sexual assault, at someone you know, it can be easier, unfortunately, to think, well, I must have done something wrong other than this person did this horrible thing, this right. person that I know. Right. Um, yet another study found that empathy is a part of why we victim blame, too. Empathy, especially among men, for the male perpetrators. Yeah, so going off what I just said, uh, men are overall more likely to blame the victim. Exactly. Another recent study found that while self-harming behaviors among boys have stayed relatively the same um, over the past couple years, it is skyrocketing among girls. And one of the reasons for this, according to the researchers, is that girls internalize their pain and anger while boys externalize it. Girls turn it in on themselves. And when considering why, the researchers had a whole range of potential factors. The what was she wearing attitude, she was asking for it, why didn't she stop it, dress code, staying quiet and docile so as not to provoke violence, all these things putting responsibility of the actions of others on girls and women. And in our fear episode, we talked about how we're sort of hardwired to analyze bad things that happen to other people and figure out what we shouldn't do in those circumstances. So the same thing won't happen to us. Ryan. you and I talked
1: about that with the self-defense classes and what that kind of focuses on, as well as the fact that if you just recently saw the victim who rejected a man, then was kidnapped and and murdered, Mm -hmm. and all she did was just ignore him. Actually, she didn't even reject him. Let me take that back. She ignored him when he was catcalling her, and that was enough for him to justify kidnapping and and murdering this woman. Mm -hmm. And again... I think we've progressed enough that we are not completely like, oh, but what did she? Why didn't she? But it's still not quite that clear. They still see people saying, well, they could have done this, or why didn't they do this, or you right. should do this. And again, they use this as a tale, um, a cautionary tale for us. Saying, sure. Next, maybe you should do this instead.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And that that is something I I know a lot of listeners can probably relate to, and I certainly can. But the amount of tips right. I get for staying safe in a city
1: as a right. single woman. Oh my gosh. It's absurd. It's also a pretty good tool to maintain the status quo. The oppressed only have themselves to blame in this mindset. Yeah. So when we're thinking of victim blaming, we usually think of sexual assaults, but we can also see it weaponized against women in a myriad of ways, including the gender pay gap. Women are good at negotiating. They aren't as skills. They use vocal fry. If they're the vocal fry, they'll never get a job. I guess I'm the vocal fry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: I actually, and then people turned it off.
0: Yeah, I actually had. Um, it was a woman, a vocal coach, came in when I started this show, and she she gave me a lot of good tips, but a lot of them were essentially don't do these things that are associated with
1: women, women, right? And as in fact, I saw one of our um, friends, one of our co-hosts, just put it out there, asking people what they don't like about podcasts. Yeah, and a couple of women. Mm-hmm. Said the first thing they said was vocal fry, and I was like, "Are you, are you kidding me?"
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say an email.
1: Maybe she
0: didn't use the stereotypical smiley face to indicate no. she was joking. Oh. <laughs> um, and and then I was thinking about cheating. Cheating could possibly go under this whole victim blaming thing as well in heterosexual relationships when a man cheats. Why are we so ready? To blame his female significant other, she she didn't do enough to make him stay. She should have left him right. earlier, et cetera. Um, since we believe that women are better at relationships and we've typically done a lot of the work maintaining them, the blame of a failed relationship falls at women's feet. The
1: mistress gets blamed too, but not the cheating man. Not as much. Right. Actually, I just saw a thread about Cardi B. Oh, and yeah. how she's just... And uh, they were just like, I can't believe she's so pathetic. And they just called her out. And everybody on the thread was like, why are you blaming her? Right. And then many were going just back and forth about why it was her fault for staying, for knowing and all these things. Yeah. And I was just thinking about it, I'm like, it's so hard to have that fine line of trust and love. And we yeah. know love is difficult in itself. And you yep. think you've got it. And she's got a baby with this man. Mm-hmm. This happens often. Yeah. And, you and know... Why is it her fault? Yeah, and I also think if we looked
0: out at um, daughters as well, there, there's a pressure of, like, keep I can keep this family together if I, uh, like, do all of these things, and then if your family doesn't stay together, right. then it was somehow your fault.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And there is, it's that whole trope, and then the whole turn women against women, Yeah, it is always, the guy just comes out smelling like roses while the two women fight. Yes. It's the weirdest Ugh. thing. I I never understood that. Mm -hmm. A 2016 study found that people with higher levels of binding values or moral values that are foundational to groups coming and staying together are more likely to place some sort of blame on the victims. This often conflicts with the individualizing values, which emphasizes equality for everyone. In the U.S., conservatives are more likely to have more binding values while liberals lean towards individualizing values. In another study conducted by the same study authors found that language that focused on what the perpetrator did, victim blaming went down.
0: Yeah, so if you switched, in this study they did, if you switched the sentence from like, say, Jean had a lot to drink and Tom assaulted her. If you said, like, Tom, if you switched it so the focus was on Tom assaulted Jean, then people were less likely to victim blame.
1: Right, it's kind of like the photos when you have a person versus a person. So if you have, let's say, um, with the Black Lives Matter stuff, they would often have like whatever arrest picture for the victim. Yeah. And then the hero picture for if it was a cop. Right. And please understand, I'm not here to say cops are bad. I'm not here to say that at all. But in those t- tropes where they make sure to demonize one versus the other, it's right. very, very obvious of what you're going to assume just by the pictures alone. Exactly. Yeah. And
0: that brings us to shame. Um, And the definition for shame is judgment of self not living up to an ideal. And the Merriam-Webster definition is, quote, a painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety, the susceptibility of such emotion, a condition of humiliating disgrace or disrepute, something that brings censure or reproach, also something to be regretted. And it usually, shame usually leads to withdrawal behaviors. From Reconsidering the Differences Between Shame and Guilt, quote, shame is an unpleasant emotion implying a self-evaluation of inadequacy to meet the standards of one's ideal self. The self-attributed inadequacy may or may not imply a global negative self-view. Moreover, it may or may not be perceived as stable and uncontrollable. Only if it is perceived as uncontrollable and stable, shame will be associated with helplessness and hopelessness. Ashamed people may regard themselves as either responsible or non-responsible for a fault, but in any case, when experiencing pure shame, they are not considering responsibility issues. Guilt, on the other hand is an unpleasant emotion implying a negative self-evaluation against one's moral standards, that is, the standards concerning those behaviors, goals, beliefs, or traits for which one regards oneself as responsible. The evaluation is negative in that such behaviors, goals, etc. are viewed as harmful. Therefore, guilt implies a self-evaluation of responsible harmfulness, that is, wrongfulness. The wrongdoing can be either actual or potential, that is, a possible consequence of personal traits and dispositions, provided the person views such traits as modifiable through effort, thereby feeling responsible for not trying to modify them. So that's a lot. That's a lot. But basically, what it boils down this this was a fascinating... A look right at the complexity of shame and guilt um and it it's it feels bad to boil it down because the whole thing was about don't boil it down, <laughs> but it, it's pretty much shame is there's something just wrong with you, right. and that's why something happened, whereas guilt is like, here's this thing that I did that violates my moral principles and is abnormal behavior for me like right. i believe that is wrong and it is something that i have control over mm-hmm. and responsibility for
1: that's pretty much right the difference Um, oh, yeah. It's a whole lot. definitely. So shame can involve a whole host of physical symptoms. Increased heart rate, sweat, flushing, head hanging, shoulder hunching, withdrawing, avoiding eye contact, nausea, dizziness, and or self-loathing. And you might think to yourself that you are a failure, that you are unlovable and stuff like that. And it can also contribute to addiction. It can hold you back at work and in relationships, that shame of, I can't do this, so therefore I'm not going to do this, so therefore I have failed. Right. And some studies have linked shame to increased inflammation, which is an indicator of disease and or illness, which makes sense because shame is tied to stress, which is tied to all kinds of negative health outcomes. Mm -hmm.
0: Research suggests that men uh, transform shame into feelings of anger or defensiveness, while women are more likely to internalize it again, turning it on themselves. Blame is often a way of redirecting the powerlessness that comes with shame. Shame has also been positively linked to aggression and hostilities. Other studies found... No link, though. So that is also still ongoing. Hmm. Research is ongoing there.
1: And shame and guilt is integral when it comes to addiction. Frequently, a major factor in preventing addicts from seeking help. Um, kind of similarly, we discussed in our trauma mini series how feelings of shame after sexual assault is a major obstacle when it comes to reporting or even telling someone what happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because shame, shame is something you want to hide. Exactly. Um, so it will keep you from admitting that you need help or, or just even telling someone this is maybe I'm dealing with uh, a substance abuse issue or sexual assault Is it
1: something you want to hide and you're right. ashamed of. And oftentimes as with addicts, it's self-medicating. Yes. That is that yeah, whole yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to fix myself right. because I don't want to share because right. I'm ashamed. Right. And that ties in again. That's kind of
0: the vicious cycle of um, – sexual assault, and we talked about that in our trauma mini series. is that a lot of people who've gone through trauma, they are trying to self-medicate mm-hmm. uh, to deal with the trauma, and that in turn can lead to also a substance abuse right. issue. Yeah. Um, so that's what we have to say about those three things when it comes to definition, and that is a lot to say, but we still have some more. Um, but first, we have one more quick break forward from our sponsor.
2: Gotta tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number no. two plays this sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five star rated with over 100 million downloads Apple App Store, or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends.
0: This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought
1: to you by Catan. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get
0: Catan at CatanShop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code MOM at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. A 2010 study out of the University of the Basque Country in Spain found that women feel more guilt compared to men. And not only that, the researchers found men, especially men aged 25 to 33, don't feel enough guilt relative (laughs) to their actions. (laughs) Yeah, that made me chuckle too. Again, Uh, enough guilt. But all right. Um, That does change as they get older. All right. Middle-aged women take on the most guilt. The researchers theorize women are socially conditioned to feel more guilt, and, and that isn't based on evolution or brain chemistry or something like that. Society puts higher expectations on women, increasing the chances of us not living up to those expectations, and therefore... Our feelings of guilt, our feelings of being a failure. Uh, the study concluded the guilt most frequently experienced by women is called anxious aggressive guilt, or causing some sort of harm to another person. This could be something as simple as saying no to someone. According to study author Itziar Itexbaria, the anxious aggressive kind of guilt is more common in people who have been raised in a more blame imposing environment and who are governed by stricter rules about behavior in general and aggression in particular. To combat all of this. She suggested a whole range of practices to reduce the readiness to accept guilt in women and the social forces behind them, as well as improving men's interpersonal skills. This could also play into why women apologize more frequently and repeatedly, not in the conversational way of, I'm sorry that happened to you, but legitimately,
1: oh, I'm sorry. Right. You bumped into me. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I I shouldn't have been in this public space. You're right.
1: I'm, I'm walking in behind you. I'm sorry. Gosh. Was
0: yeah. It? Yeah. I have a friend who apologizes all right the time. All the time. I'm like,
1: you're... You don't
0: have to apologize for talking to me. We're right. friends. <laughs> but if you correct them, you feel guilty because they feel guilty. <laughs> yes. You're like,
1: shut of yes. up. Yes. <laughs> the that, cycle. Yep.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, there are a lot of ways women are conditioned to feel shame about our bodies, which we've talked
1: about. Right. Yeah. And I think we should also put in here, when we talk about shame, We this was very heteronormative. And obviously, there's a whole other level for those who are in the LGBTQIA plus community, obviously, because they're taught... Shame from the very beginning, oftentimes by society, oftentimes by media, oftentimes by family. And uh, um, we haven't talked about this enough. And we know from our bi episodes how how much of a toll mentally and physically that it takes on those individuals and how, how very, very dangerous erasure is. And, and just to tell people get over it, this is not who you are, you should be ashamed. Those types of things are so, so, so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as we see the statistics of all the self-harm, abuse, things that are underreported. So we just want to acknowledge that, that though we're talking about a lot of heteronormative ideas in in this text, that we acknowledge that those for shame can be on a whole different level for those who are, especially who are... um, intersectional whether it's person of color who is by you know all of yeah. those levels there's mm-hmm. just added layers yeah. of what shame and guilt looks like and then trying to shed that from your identity as well
0: yeah and and we learn those things from such a young age right. um so it's yeah it's very detrimental and dangerous and harmful when it comes to um, dealing with guilt and with shame, there are a lot of a lot of uh, tips out there. Um, it really seems to be self-reflective. Try to really be honest with what you have control over, what you didn't uh, impact, um, and if it is something that you is debilitating than getting help, whether whether that's through therapy, if you can afford that, if that's an option for you, or just finding someone that you trust or a support group to to kind of talk it out.
1: Right, and also understand that with guilt and shame, which also is correlated with depression, that some of this can be chemical, some of this can be uh, a yeah. mental health thing that you need to take care of yourself and that's okay too because I think I, I struggle with it when I'm in my darkest. I, I feel more shame and more guilt and yeah. it's overwhelming yeah. to be in that darkness and it's harder to realize in that moment, this is also chemical, this is also seasonal, all of right. those things. Yeah. So, in understanding and how to deal with that is to kind of listen to your body mm-hmm. as well as, yes, make sure like if you have people, people groups, if you're using medication that is appropriately uh, prescribed to you, do that. All of those things are really important as well to not fall under that heavy, heavy, heavy burden of yeah. guilt and shame. Yes.
0: Um, and I was I was trying to think about why I, what it is I see and why, why are we so quick to blame women. And I think it's, I think we've just been subjugated to, uh, 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 like, abuse and marginalization for so long, but also just, yeah, conditioning to be nice. Right. Um, and to make everyone comfortable and happy. Um, and when that, those things don't happen, or when we are being the, the subjects of abuse or, or whatever, we've looked inward to find a reason why. It must be something, especially when we witness it among a lot of women. Right. Um, yeah, and I, we've been classified as less than men. And I, that's something I certainly struggled with as a kid because I just had this sense of like I am less than. And um, we are to blame for their wrongdoings and for not meeting the impossibly high standards that we place on girls and women. And as a society, admitting that things like rape culture are real and it's something that we need to, to change, to work on, instead of pointing to a woman's outfit choice, um, that requires a lot more work if we admit that we have a problem and it's structural and huge and we have to change it. Right. Um, and people, as we know... Are afraid of change, especially those who are benefiting exactly from that already. Yes, exactly. So, those are our thoughts on shame, blame, guilt. <laughs> Turns out, there's a lot of thoughts around that kind of stuff, and we would love to hear your thoughts, listeners. And you can email us those thoughts at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia dot com. You can find us on Instagram at stuff I never told you or on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. Thanks, as always, to our super producer. Andrew Howard. Oh, hey. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: The Gold Club was
1: the top strip club in Atlanta in the 1990s, with patrons like Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan, Madonna, the King of Sweden. But in 2001, the
0: club was put on trial with charges of prostitution, extortion, credit card fraud,
1: racketeering, and an affiliation with the mob. I'm journalist Christina Lee, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes of the Gold Club scandal. From the booty and
0: bubbly, to the deceit and courtroom drama. Listen to Racket Inside the Gold
1: Club on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dear Young Rockers Season 2 is a raw, honest, strange, and entertaining story about finding yourself in your early 20s and a lifelong relationship with music. It's hosted by me, Chelsea Erson, and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and iHeartRadio. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.